Hello and welcome back to the Men You're Not Alone podcast, the podcast that teaches you everything you need to know about yarn and quilting. Oh man, I'd rather stick a fork in my temple. Today I want to do, it's Christmas 2023 today. I haven't observed Christmas in 17 or 18 years now, and that's not something I, I bring up. I have only think I've only mentioned it once in my podcast. That's not something that's a personal axe for me to grind. That's just something of my own. I'm accountable for what I know, and and I don't. I don't even talk about it. I don't bring it up in conversation um, unless somebody just asks, flat out asks me. But today's Christmas and I've been catching up on a million projects, some construction stuff around the house, getting vehicles up and running, making sure they're in good working order. And I finally got back in. I'm still covered with grease. I've been laying on a shop floor all day, working on two different rides. I've wanted to do a couple of episodes. One of them is about electroculture, which some people have passed to me and said, hey, nerd man. Is this something you've ever heard of? Is it something? I said, no, I've never heard of it, but but that wouldn't stop me from being curious about it. So I looked at some videos that were out there, links that people had sent to me to take a look at it. And I didn't have an opinion one way or the other. Some of it seemed a little bit far-fetched. Some of it seems a little bit uh, coming from a marketing angle, like, hey, you need to do this. And it just so happens I do this and then I can sell it to you which always makes me skeptical. I don't have a problem with the free market. And I like the people. I like that people are inventive, that they come up with stuff. People are resourceful and they find a way to make a living from it or at least some income. But the electroculture thing, I figured it, well, it's pretty straightforward to test. So I kind of began immediately. I love to grow things. I have always loved to grow things and I have grown a lot. I used to be a farmer. I've grown a gazillion trees as a forester. And I've just worked with plants and food and stuff like that my whole life. And I really do love growing things. So I thought, well, this is a perfect fit. So I'll just start testing it. So if you're unfamiliar with electroculture, it sounds something that's like pretty fancy, but it's not. It's exceedingly simple. And I, I, This is as simple of a definition as I can come up with. It's not a definition. Take a piece of copper wire, stick it in the ground by some plants, and it's supposed to make your plants get bigger. It's supposed to make your soil healthier, make the plants have some kind of a symbiotic relationship that is perhaps missing or something like that. And that putting a piece of copper wire in the ground, whether most of the videos I saw, it's a fairly complex design. I saw people trying to explain that you have to do this shape and you have to wind it a certain direction. If you wind it the other direction, it gives you... It, it, to me, it was just... I'm like, we're we're not... We're not building an electronic component here. There's something, I don't think it's this complicated, but I do think if I wanted to sell something, I would come up with a more complicated way that maybe the average person wouldn't want to do, and then I could sell that product. And I'm not saying that's what everybody's doing. I'm just saying that my results were vastly different than what I saw on videos. So in a nutshell, is the electroculture bogus? Not at all. So I've concluded my first season of testing it, and and I picked it up. It would have been in the growing season, probably like April, because I was already sticking plants in the ground. Anyway, I had to replace some bushes. Um, I had potted plants and stuff like that uh, that I was getting ready to put out. And I thought, well, this is perfect. I'll actually test this stuff. I opted not to go for fancy shapes, anything like that. I went with simply, if this is something that is that is somehow... Uh, harnessing something that is, let's just say, in the atmosphere or the ether. And somehow it's it's creating a connection that, let's just say, the environment, something has broken. 
Okay. Maybe the bombardment of RF uh, frequencies across the, the back and forth past us, through us, around us. Maybe that disrupts the flow of this stuff because that maybe it's something that's new and it diminishes crops and the potential of plants to do something well. My initial hunch was like, these are some cool videos, a, a couple of them. A lot of them I thought were, were uh, bunk. I still kind of see it that way, but I didn't really see anybody doing just really simple, basic stuff. I like basic stuff. In everything I do, I try to be conscientious of budgets. Like I don't ever do anything as an activity with a group or lay out something that in any way could be affected by a person's inability to pay for it. I tend to look for the least expensive way to accomplish the same thing that that anybody working, uh, uh, even a menial job could afford to go do for just a few bucks. So I, I stopped at, at a big box store because I'm in there about five times a day anyway. So I, I went and grabbed one of the guys in the electrical and said, hey, spin me that reel of uh, ground wires back down here. Spin them down here. So let's cut some off. I pulled off, I, I don't even know, maybe 60 or 70 feet of number four ground, bare copper wire, number four, which is a, a fairly good sized wire. If, I don't, if you wire, you know what size that is. It's not as big as a pencil, like a wooden pencil, but probably two-thirds of the thickness of a wooden pencil, maybe somewhere in like that. It's considerably more per foot. You just buy it by the foot off of a spool. And I also got a bunch of, a whole bunch of number 12 ground wire, which is typical kitchen and bath wiring, stuff like that. It's a, compared to the number four, it's very petite in, in diameter and its ability to carry current. I thought, well, I'm going to try an experiment. So in my yard, I have a bunch of trees and of various stages, fruit trees, maples. I don't even know what else I've got. I've got a host of different things in my yard. I love growing things. So I took the number four. I put it on the trees. My logic was the trees, while I've I've planted them all um, in the last five years, many of them have really taken off. So a lot of them are 25 feet tall, somewhere in that neighborhood, 20 feet tall. And I had, some, I had like a, a peach tree that was just three years old and it was, you know, 15, 18 feet tall. And so I wanted to try it. I thought, well, I got the bigger wire. I'm going to try it on the trees because it's a larger mass. It's just a, it's just a larger amount of biomass in a tree than a bush or a potted plant, something like that. So I took the, the number four ground wire and I cut off maybe a 10 foot piece of it. And I stuck it in the ground about eight inches, 10 inches, something like that and then spiraled it around the trunk of the tree, took it up into, just stayed on the main stem of the tree, took it up and just let it kind of hang there. I didn't wrap it tight around the tree because I like my trees and I don't want them, you know, girdling the tree. But it's, it's, there's plenty of contact between the wire and the tree. That number four ground, I did that with six trees, six of my trees, just to see. So I would have had about 60 feet of wire. Then I, I took the number 12, I didn't wrap anything with it. I wanted to try something really simple. So I took the number 12. I wanted to see, does the size of the wire make a difference? Because the number 12 is real cheap per foot. It's like, I want to say like 25 cents a foot, 28 cents a foot. So I cut that into like 18 inch pieces. I wanted to go really simple, really inexpensive. And what I did with my, the bushes around, not all of them I had, because I have multiple of the same. So I would have like one or two control bushes. And then two that I would put the copper in. And I would just take maybe an 18-inch piece of the number 12, at the most 24 inches, 
cut it, bend it into an arch. That's it. Nothing complicated. So it's maybe 10 inches, 12 inches, 10 inches at the bottom, you know, on the open end with the two ends. And I just took it and I stuck it in the ground next to the bush. And so it wasn't actually, it wasn't wrapped around the bush or anything. It was just an arch. I kind of put it through the bush, like so that it was down toward the base a little bit. But it didn't actually contact the bushes in any more than just a couple of spots where just the wire would maybe cross a branch that was vertical. And then I had uh, several pots that I wanted to test. So I have two huge pots on my porch, and then I've got two huge pots in my front bed. And I hadn't planted those yet, so I wanted to try an experiment. So in one of each, I put the same plants in each pot, or I put the same plants like in the two big pots on the porch, the two pots outside on the beds. I used the same plants in each of those two sets of pots. And that way it was, I used the same dirt, the same plants, planted them at the same time, bought them at the same time. They were very healthy plants when I bought them. And so I wanted to try a real controlled experiment to see because I really was thinking this is just like it kind of drew some humor. Like it, it looks goofy. So when you're cutting wire and you make an arch and you go stick it in your pots and stuff like that, it, it, like if a neighbor's outside, they're wondering what you're doing. And which is cool because I think people just kind of are used to it with me that I'm always doing something unusual around my, my house or in it or outside of it. If we just fast forward through it, I realized as I got to the end of this growing season that trees, while the trees here in Tennessee, they do grow fairly quickly compared to most parts of the country because we get so much rain, the climate is so moderate. It's kind of a sweet spot for a lot of trees, for a lot of everything. As I approached the end of the growing season, I kind of figured I don't have enough trees to try this. To really measure it with trees, I would really need multiple dozens of trees, almost like a nursery. If I owned a nursery where I've got rows of trees lined up, all of the same kind, and I can take half of that population and, and put copper around it um, or spiral it around it the way I did, and then have a large control, a large something, and then um, no, something, a large control and a large test uh, population, and then monitor it over the course of like five years. Because one season with a tree, it's hard because the growth, while it's, even if it's fairly quick for that tree, it's hard to attribute it to just the ground wire. You need a longer horizon to test. So I've kind of scrapped the idea of, of drawing any results from trees because I don't have enough to really make a control and test population. And I don't plan on putting in 50 more trees in my, my lot to test this. It's tempting, but I'm not going to. I may try it with some small ones, maybe some seedlings or something, and, and just see if I can get a difference in seedlings. Maybe that's a better scale of doing it and just run it for like three years. Um, and then I can sneak out and put the trees in people's yards or something. But the bushes and stuff are more rapid growing. It, it's quicker to test, same with potted plants. So what I found where it really where it really caught my attention is in the two pots in the front that had I had a sweet potato vine, a salosia, and calabrocoa, I think. And I had that in each of those two pots out front in the front beds. Well the piece the one that I stuck the copper arch in, it grew like crazy. I just dismissed, I was like, well, okay. The other one just kind of sat, sat there. It grew, but it didn't really, it, it wasn't half a third the growth that the one with the copper arch in it was. So the sweet potato vine, the, the celosia actually got 
pretty large. Like typically around here, Celosia, if it hits two, two feet, it's a large Celosia. Uh, this nailed two feet like in no time. So, I mean, not like overnight, but in three weeks or a month, this thing had grown so much larger than the other plant that was basically my control pot. Uh, about a halfway through the growing season, let's, it was probably June, something like that. I thought, well, okay, the, the Celosia in the control pot, it just stopped. It just completely stopped growing at about 10 or 12 inches. I, I, I don't know why I marked it. I chalked it up to the soil. It was a, I don't, I typically kind of make my own soil. This I didn't. I bought bagged soil because I wanted it to be controlled. I wanted to test it. I, I split the bag, you know, uh, put it in each pot. That way I knew I was dealing with something that was controlled. I wasn't skewing the results. So the Celosia and the sweet potato vine in that other pot, the Calibrecoa was doing okay. It's a fairly tough vine grow, kind of a spreading flowering plant. But the Celosia and the sweet potato vine had just kind of, it's like they had gone dormant. So they grew and they would have been a, a respectable size, maybe if your expectations weren't super high. But I noticed that they just stayed there for like a month, I noticed no change in them. So out of kicks and giggles, I thought, okay. I went over and I took the copper arch out of the pot that was the test one, and I put it over in the pot that was my control. And I just wanted to see, again, it's just a real simple arch of number 12 ground wire. That's it, bare wire. I really thought I was on crack or something because within a couple of days, I was, I, I sit on my front porch a fair amount, and I was looking at that pot, and I'm like, wait a minute. This Celosia is now about three inches taller than it was. And it's been sitting for a month. Like, it's literally nothing. It's like the growth was shut off, same with the sweet potato vine. Well, the sweet potato vine was starting to get a healthier look about it. And it was starting to grow, but not as fast as the Celosia did. I thought, well, I'm probably just imagining this, you know. I'm like, but I know this plant was 10 inches. And now it's like 12 or 13 inches. And it's been two or three days. Like, this makes no sense. And I don't use fertilizers. I don't use chemicals. I don't use anything. My yard is entirely natural. I just don't, I don't do stuff. I use natural things. I make my own compost. I rely on organic matter and, and bees and things like that. And so I just kept watching this pot. And within about a week, this thing had grown like five or six inches. And I thought, there's no way. This is impossible. This is something that if you pour a fast-release nitrogen to it, you can kickstart a plant to go kind of crazy and almost like grow itself to where it's structurally, it fails. It just can't handle it. It didn't take but about three weeks, and that Celosia was pushing two feet tall. And if I hadn't watched it with my own eyes, I would not have believed it. I have worked with plants for most of my life. I'm 54 that one, that really was a stark contrast. So I did the same with my front pots. I had one that was a control, one that was a test one. The pot with the arch in it, it, it got annoyingly big because my rocking chair that I sit in is kind of near that pot. So I had to scoot my rocking chair over and push the pot completely so it's like hanging over the edge of the porch just so it wouldn't touch my legs while I was trying to like rock in a rocking chair. The, the the one on the other end, it was growing well, and, and but nothing like that. So I thought, well, I'll try the same thing. I pulled it out of that control pot, put it over in the other one, and it grew like crazy. A couple of the plants actually succumbed to uh, the competition of, I don't even know what plant I've got in it. It's still green now. I've left the copper in it. It's still going. This is uh, the end of December almost, December 25th. 
This plant's not supposed to be an evergreen, but it has survived the freezes. Now, and we haven't had a million of them. I mean, we've only had a handful of freezes, but I mean, probably seven, five, six, seven, like decent freezes so far this year. It didn't hurt it a bit. And I'm not attributing that just to having the copper arch in it. But it's weird because the one that I didn't, I took the copper arch out of that was originally my test pot, all those plants froze. Like the first freeze we had, they were done. The one that still has the copper in it is staying green and it's thriving. It's big. Uh, I don't know what to do with it because it's a great plant, but it's taken over the whole pot. And now, you know, it's like two feet above it. It spills out over the side. It's not necessarily the look I was going for, but I'm just leaving it there so it can grow. A third area that I noticed uh, a remarkable change is I I have some uh, brandywine viburnums. Uh, They're kind of an unusual plant that not a lot of people get them. Not a lot of people know what they are. It's just something I love uh, plants that people don't really know about. And then eventually they will become trendy. But I kind of look for a lot of uh, heirloom varieties of stuff. And I'm not, I certainly don't object to uh, new forms of hybrids or whatever people come up with. But I had... uh, three brandywine viburnums in my front yard on the front bed. And my dog, who's a bulldozer, anytime there's a a ball involved, um, so she completely mowed one of them down just going for the ball. I like literally destroyed the bush, just completely just blew over it. And it had been in the ground for two years. It was, you know, they're all about three and a half or four feet tall. And they do well here, but she completely destroyed that bush, broke all the stems off and everything because she just slammed into it. So I went and I, I went and got a replacement that was about 18 inches tall, you know, if, once it's in the ground. And I thought, well, here's a, here's a great experiment. So I have the two brandywine viburnums that are already in the bed. They're well established. They've been in the ground for two plus, a little over two, like two years, two full growing seasons. And I've got this one that I just put in. Here's a great test and control. So I have two controls and one test. So I, I planted that new brandywine viburnum and I put the arch in it. I made it a little bigger because the, the bush is just, I know the bush is going to get bigger. I didn't want it to like start, you know, hooking. I didn't want it to be in the way of the bush. So it was maybe a 24 inch piece of wire bent over into an arch. And I put that in the ground in April. By mid-July, that bush was as tall as the other two that had two years head start on it. By the time we got to the end of the growing season, like August, September, that bush is noticeably taller than the other two that still have t- two years advanced growth on it. And the girth of the branches is noticeably, the, the structure of the, of the brandywine viburnum, it is noticeably beefier in the structure of the stems. The other two that have been in for two years, they're a little bit more delicate. They kind of droop once the plant goes to seed and makes this beautiful purple cluster of berries. They're really pretty. The other, the one that had the copper in it, it did not produce berries this year, which I've kind of figured because it was, I just planted it, you know, this year. And typically new plants don't set fruit or you don't want them to. So this one did not set fruit. But the amount of growth, so it's about five or six inches taller than the other two that had, I didn't put the arch in, but had two years of a head start. So it's taller, it's wider, and it's got a beefier structure to it. For me, like in my initial testing, I just chalked this up as my first season, and it, it was not a thorough test. It's just somebody threw it at me. I had a little bit of time, not much, but I figured, well, here's at least enough of a, an experiment to try to see if there's a dog in the hunt. 
Uh, based on what I saw, there is definitely a dog in the hunt, and it's something I'm going to be testing more extensively as we move back into the next growing season because I have expanded my garden. And I, those will be far easier, to I think, to test because the annual vegetables and stuff like that, you can definitely notice the difference. And you only need one growing season to really see a contrast, and I can have a large control and a large test population of each thing I do from lettuce to tomatoes to squash, whatever it is I decide to put in. So that is my initial stuff. Is the electroculture bunk? No, I don't. I don't think so. Based on what I've seen, there's something legitimate to it. I can't explain the why part of it, but I don't believe if I can take a 18-inch piece of number 12 ground and just cut a straight piece, bend it into an arch and shove it in the ground, and I can see that much of a difference I'm exceedingly skeptical that you need any type of helix or spiral shape or arrows or triangles or pyramids or any of that. My guess, I haven't tested it, is the shape, uh, the arch is enough with a straight piece of wire. You do not need a design. You don't need to buy anything. You can just go to a store that sells bare ground wire, get some of it and try it yourself if you want. To me, I think it would be worth you trying because really for less than 10 bucks, you can get a substantial number of feet of wire and run your own tests on it. I mean, I love the idea of being able to help people produce more food. I've got uh, another experiment in the backyard I've been trying to get to for about three years and hopefully will help people. I, I want to help people eat better and, and stuff that doesn't cost anything. Like I don't have a product to sell. I don't have any marketing or anything like that. That's not the point of what I why I do what I do. I do it in an effort, I think, because I have run so lean in so many periods of my life that I know what it's like to go without. I know what it's like to long for little things like being able to buy a package of hamburger or looking at those vegetables and saying, well, I can't afford that, but I can eat iceberg lettuce. I would just love to, whatever, I'd love to have a spaghetti squash, but I can't spend $7 on a spaghetti squash right now because... I just don't have it. I've got another experiment I want to launch, but the electroculture, I think, could be, and, and I'm a bare bones experiment. Again, like I said, I don't use chemicals. I don't use fertilizers, and I don't need to. I've just found that if you get soil into a healthy state, specifically with organic matter, keep the chemicals off of it, which as long as the stuff that they're spraying in the sky isn't killing the soil, I'm not putting anything down that kills the soil. I rotate my plants so I'm not growing the same stuff in the same space. I do use a cover crop in the in the wintertime. I use uh, Austrian winter pea and triticale, both organic. And I've just found that it works. I don't need a chemical. I don't need a fertilizer. My plants thrive. Um, I have a million earthworms in throughout my yard, especially in my garden. The birds just live in my garden once it's growing season. And I, if I have to kick a sprinkler on or something, it looks like there's a robin reunion, uh, blue jays, you name it, mockingbirds. They just, it's like a family reunion of all birds. And they just sit on the ground and they wait for the worms to come up. But I think that the electroculture thing, it might be something worth trying if you have a garden or you plant maybe even just a pot that you have vegetables in. Maybe plant two pots. Try the wire in one. Try a little copper arch and leave one that you don't. But treat them both the same. Don't fertilize one and not fertilize the other. Don't, whatever you do, do to both pots and make the only difference between them the, the copper arch. 
So this summer I'll be, or this spring, through by the time I get to like next May or June, I should have some fairly decent results to be able to at least get an indication of where it's going because I can start growing stuff here fairly early. And with my new experiment I want to try, I should be able to get those seeds into that area by early February. They're, they're cold weather stuff. They tolerate shade better, stuff like that. Good, healthy food. That way I can keep it separate from my garden. Because I really do want to use the garden as a giant research project with the electroculture this summer and see. And, and I know this would be better with a video channel. I just don't care. So this is, a, this is an experiment you anybody can try simply enough at their own home. I'm not here to entertain you. This is free information. It didn't cost you anything except the pain of listening to it. So anyway, I'll shut this one off here. I'll get back to the electroculture thing in the coming months and, and kind of do a quick update. As I go along, just to see kind of how, you know, what am I seeing? That sort of thing. I hope you have a great day and I hope that you are eating well and I'll catch you on the next one.